We are on Ksubis Samach Beis, Amabez 62b, towards the middle of the page. As we continue on in the Gemara's discussion, uh, various issues relating to the husband's obligation to be intimate with his wife, um, and specifically uh, how often was discussed, and we had various stories, and so the Gemara continues with these stories. The Gemara just mentioned that for a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, they should have sexual relations once a week, and specifically on Shabbos, it should be Friday night. And we explained in the last class why specifically on Friday night, perhaps because it's more relaxed. It's a time, according to some, for less learning, less Torah learning, if one studies during the week. Um, and so, specifically on Friday night. So we have the following story. Yehuda Breid Rebichiyah, Chas and Rebiyana. Yehuda, the son of Rebichiyah, who is married to Rebiyana, his daughter. He would sit in the study halls. And every Friday night, that's when he returned home. He returned home Friday night. We also we mentioned in the last class that part of the idea of going away uh, and studying away from home is because they had to be with their teacher because it was passed from teacher to student, less with books and more orally. Uh, that's one reason. Another reason is because... Uh, in order to be fully engrossed, you have to stay away from. You have to be fully engrossed and be in the, in the base medrash, in the study halls uh, completely. That's another reason why that's given. When he used to come, they would, uh, when he would come to to back home, so they would see a pillar of fire um, uh, before him. Some say that this pillar of fire is the shechina, is the. Um, is the presence of Hashem, as there's an idea that the presence of Hashem is present when a husband and wife are intimate. It's viewed as a holy act. He's coming Friday night to, to be with his wife. And so therefore there's this pillar of fire. One day, one Friday, he was so engrossed in the halacha that he stayed in the uh, study halls. He was too engrossed and he didn't return home. Uh, so Rabbi his father-in-law, uh, didn't uh, see the, the fire. Amaluhu Rabbianai Kfumitaso. Rabbianai says that they should start the process of mourning. If he didn't come back, must be, says Rabbianai, that he passed away. Otherwise, he would make sure to come back. Uh, but he didn't come back. So they said to turn over the beds, which in, in those days it was uh, one of the uh, acts of mourning. We don't have that today, different types of beds. Uh, but he says he must have died, and therefore we have to turn over the bed. Uh, it wasn't true it wasn't true but because Rubiana said it he's a great Torah scholar it's like an error that comes out from a ruler and it's it, once he said it so then it's so it should be and a result of that his son-in-law dies his son-in-law dies as, as a result of that now a few points from this uh, story number one again it highlights an idea that we had uh, in the last class is about uh, this balance, this balance of uh, Torah study and uh, making sure that one has a close relationship at home and how we have to be so delicate and careful about it uh, that if uh, one is spending too much time in the, in, uh, not about too much time, but a lot of time in the uh, in the base measures, in the study hall, so then one has to be very, very careful to make sure to be home when they're supposed to be home um, and that we have to have that uh, appropriate balance. Uh, number two, another interesting point here is that he decided right away that his uh, the, the husband passed away, that his son-in-law passed away. 
there wasn't really any full proof. What happened to the full proof? What happened? This is based on assumptions. Where is this coming from exactly? It's based on assumptions. Don't you need proof? Uh, this is about. This is not necessarily to allow his daughter to remarry, but this is to begin the mourning process. So, how exactly does that fit in with uh, other gemaras? It's not. It's not so clear because other gemaras seem to imply, at least with regards to remarrying, that we require much more proof. This is uh, very. Maybe he was sick. There's not so much proof here. And then just the third point is this idea that uh, Rabbiani makes a statement. We have find this elsewhere that when a tzaddik uh, says something, when a tzaddik, a great uh, righteous person, a great Torah scholar, says something. So then, that's what happens. It becomes reality in the world. This is just an interesting case because he didn't say that he wants his son-in-law to die. He thought that his son-in-law already died in the past. And yet, even though it wasn't his intention, in other Gemaras, when we have it, it's their intention. They say something should happen to so-and-so, and and then it happens. In this case, he doesn't say something should happen, but this is his assumption as to what happened in the past. Nevertheless, uh, when a person says something... Uh, the commentators explain that our, our words have meaning. Our re- words are meaningful. And uh, for the tzaddik, for those who are righteous, it, it's meaningful to the point where it's actually going to create, create reality. And that's what happened, even though it wasn't his intention. Okay. Next case. Rebbe Yasek Lelebrei Bey Rebbe Chia. Rebbe, Rebbe Huda Nasi, he arranged for his son to marry the daughter of Rebbe Chia. When they come to write the ksuba, the marriage uh, contract, then the girl of Rebbechia dies. So I'm Rebbe, chas v'shom, p'sulika. So why did, she, why did she die? It must be that she died for a reason. It must be something is wrong here. Something is wrong here. Something is disqualifying here. Well, Hashem prevents this match from taking place. Why? Why? What's going on here? So they look into it. Yisuf v'ayinu v'mishpachos. So they see that uh, from one family, Rabbi Yudah Nasi comes from the wife of David, and so therefore basically comes from David, from King David, and Rabbi family comes from um, King David's brother, comes from King David's brother, from Shimi, King David's brother, and therefore it's viewed as lowering oneself to, to marry into that family. It's not King David's children, it's not, their, not his descendants, but it's his brother's descendants, and therefore, it is not a good shidduch. It's not fit, and that's why Hashem had uh, the girl die because it wasn't really a good, a good fit. Okay. Also, the Yosek lebrei bei Rabbi ben Zimra. So Rabbi Yudanasi continues, and he tries to arrange another uh, marriage. So for his son to marry the daughter of Rabbi ben Zimra. They agree. That they would support him for 12 years. That they would, he would first study for 12 years and then afterwards he would marry her. That was the agreement. Why 12 years is a big discussion. Why specifically 12 years? Some want to say it's from the ages of 18. They're supposed to get married at 18 till 30. Those are the strongest years that they say for their learning. Um, and that they agreed to hold off from 18. Generally they get married at 18. Hold, for the boy, he gets married at 18. Hold off till the age of 30. So why 12 specifically? Some say because... Uh, it, there are six uh, different uh, uh, major categories of of uh, sections within the Talmud, and so one section per year. And for the first six years, it's done quickly, bikiyas, done quickly. And then for the last six years, it's more bein, it's more in depth. And so therefore, six plus six equals twelve. There are other reasons given, but twelve years. But what happens uh, before they uh, agree to this marriage? Again, they're not getting married for another twelve years, but they have to agree to it. Achlufa kamei. They pass the girl in front of the the, the boy, and uh, he starts to change his mind. 
Let's not make it 12 years. Let me get married after 6 years. She passes a second time. Let's first get married and then I'll go study for 12 years. Basically, he was embarrassed in front of his father to, to rush things and say, just because she passed by two times. Uh, so now he's lovesick and has to get married right away. He's embarrassed uh, in front of his father the fact that he wants to get married right away. The father says, no, you have the same... You're just like you're just like Hashem. You're just like God. Why? Because when it comes to Hashem, Hashem's marriage to the Jewish people, the way we signify and highlight the, the complete marriage is with the base of Megiddo. It's with the Temple. Um, and initially, Hashem wanted us to wait uh, to go into Eretz Israel, to go into Israel. First, we're engaged, going to Israel, and then we should have this marriage in the actual base of Megiddo in the Temple. But in the end, he says, It's like as if Hashem couldn't wait. Not that Hashem is changing his mind, but we're just using this idea that Hashem says, No, we have to build a Mishkan first. First, we have to bring, uh, build the tabernacle in the desert. And so, so too, just like uh, Hashem, he wanted to go faster, to get married to the Jewish people faster. So too, my son, this is what he tells his son, you too, it makes sense. Uh, the bride... Uh, is uh, uh, is uh, uh, walking by you, and now all of a sudden you want to get married at a at a faster pace. To be it should be done faster. It makes sense. You are following in the ways of Hashem. Okay. After the wedding, also Yasser Tarte So he he then okay they get married, and then twelve years pass. He's in the study halls for twelve years. Ad He comes back to his wife. By the time his wife, he came back, uh, his, his wife was uh, infertile. She couldn't have kids anymore. She wasn't able to have kids anymore. This is an idea that uh, is found elsewhere also in the, in the Talmud. Omer Rabbi Hechen Ovid. So now he was uh, Rabbi Huda Nasi. His father was uh, not sure what to do. What should we do? A nigrisha, if you're going to tell me that they should get divorced so that he can marry somebody else to fulfill the mitzvah of having kids. Yomraniya Azul is They're going to say, oh, she waited 12 years for nothing. For absolutely nothing. If he marries somebody else, so then people are going to say, oh, this is the wife and this is the mistress. Uh, that uh, the second marriage is really the wife and the first marriage, who can't have kids, is the mistress. So uh, he, uh, her husband, he ended up davening to Hashem and she was cured and was able to have children. Uh, so she was able to have children. But we see this uh, question uh, of, uh, even though technically... Uh, from a biblical, biblical perspective, a, a man could have two wives. But we already see from this Gemara, and the commentators already point this out, that uh, it wasn't something which is viewed as necessarily positive to have two wives. It seems like one would become the primary wife, the other one would become the mistress. Uh, it's not something which we necessarily um, hope for and desire for. Okay. And again, uh, obviously, uh, there was the Takana of the Rabbi Gershom. They made a decree, at least for Ashkenazim, that they should only, they could only have one wife. Next story. Went to the study halls at the end of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's wedding. Rabbi Shimon says to him, Wait a minute. Wait for me. I can come with you. Wait until after the Shabbat Brachel, seven days. I'll come, I'll come to you. But he didn't want to wait. He didn't wait for him. Every day of learning is important. He wouldn't wait, he wouldn't wait for him. Um, he didn't wait. Uh, so uh, he studied there for 12 years. By the time that he came back, 
The whole city was different. He comes back 12 years later. He didn't know how to go home. He didn't know how to go home. Azul Yasa Agudinara. So he's, he's by the banks of the river trying to see uh, who would say something about his home or something. He heard people saying, Daughter of Chakinai, Daughter of Chakinai, you should fill up your pitcher and come. So he says, Ah, Amar Shmamina, Hi, Ravisa Dinan. This is the one. This is my daughter. Must be this, must be this is my daughter. He, he finally meets his daughter. So apparently, uh, after even though he left for 12 years, he, was, he first had children, which is also an important point, uh, which is a discussion. Do they have to first have children to fulfill the mental Puru of to multiply? Before they leave to study for him for many many years, so he he follows her. Azal basra havi yisiva debesu kanaham la kimcha dal ena chazisa siva liba prach rucha. So he goes to the house where uh, his daughter is walking towards, and his wife is sitting there sifting flour, and she lifts up her eyes and she sees her husband after twelve years, and she recognizes him. But it was uh, the first time in twelve years she wasn't uh, she wasn't ready for this. And she basically, she passes out, she passes away uh, from all the, the stress and uh, the suddenness of it. Uh, and so he then davens in front of Hashem and says, this is the reward you're giving to my wife. My wife was waiting for me and waiting for me and waiting for me and it allowed me to study Torah. She gave permission for this. And this is what you do to her, that she, she just dies. And so he davens and davens and davens and uh, there's basically tchias hamesim. They are, they're able to revive her. It shows, shows us the, the power, the koach, that these rabbis had in the days of the Gemara, that they're able to perform tchiyas amesim, to revive, uh, to revive this, uh, this wife of his. Next case. Another case, also, also went to the study halls to study for 12 years to the base medrash. When he comes back, he also, I'm not going to do like ben chachinai. I don't want to scare my wife and then, uh, God forbid, she's going to pass out. So what does he do? She goes to the studies halls and sends a message to his house. That you should know uh, that I'm here. Send the letter first that I'm here. So he's in the study halls waiting for this message to be sent. And another person comes sitting next to him. Happens to be it's his son, but he doesn't recognize it's his son. He starts talking to him in Torah study and learning, and he says, oh, this guy's so sharp. He doesn't realize it's his own son. So sharp. If I was here, I would have had a child like this. This is what he says. He wasn't there for 12 years. He did have a child like that. It was his child, but he didn't know it. But when he goes to his house, his son is coming with him. He doesn't know why. And come, come, interesting. Rabbi Chama, the father, doesn't realize it's his son. And he sees his son's also walking into the house, and he stands up for him because he thinks he's a. He doesn't realize it's his son, but it's a Torah scholar. Even if it's a young person, you have to stand up for a Torah scholar. And many commentators point this out that we see from here that even if they're young, if they're a Torah scholar, you still have to respect them. So he stands up for his own son, who He thought that maybe he's coming to discuss, uh, continue the talking and learning. is his wife tells him. Uh, no, Mika, Abba, decline me, come in, bro. What, you're standing for your own son? Why are you standing for your son? You don't have to, your son should respect you. You don't have to stand for your son. Um, so the Gemara comments on this and says that uh, uh, this is the threefold cord. We have grandfather, father, and son. 
that all represented three generations of Torah scholars. Rav Oshia, the son of Rami Muhammad Barbisa, um, and uh, these are the, the these are the three Torah scholars, and so they create this uh, uh, this cord, this cord, this unbreakable cord, this unbreakable cord, because we have three generations of Torah scholars. Okay, uh, we'll have uh, the next next week's class. Beginning next week, we'll begin the story of Rabbi Akiva, the famous story of Rabbi Akiva. Uh, we'll begin that uh, next week as we continue. Uh, on the bottom of Samuel Bayes and Bayes next week.